This week, sometimes the only way to truly be plur is to embrace the rage. We're going all in on this Jordan Miles controversy and WWE systemic racism that leads to these issues. And we'll also have some AEW talk and updates on the XFL salaries. It's time to stop being polite and start being real tonight on The Alternative. You just got knocked the fuck out! The punishment fits the crime! Keep your head held high! You'll find out why that this racist ain't afraid to fly! Yeah, you just got knocked the fuck out! The punishment fits the crime! Keep your head held high! You'll find out why that this racist ain't afraid to fly! What makes you think that this is okay? What makes you think you're a superior race? What makes you think that this is alright? I'm not alright! If you break, hey, then it's bad! Hey, if you break, hey, then it's bad! Hey, Nazi punk, fuck off! Comrades, one and all, it is Wednesday, October 30th, 2019, and welcome to episode 5 of Heel Alternative Pro Wrestling.cool's Posse Podcast, although it's not really going to feel like it tonight. That is all about the world of professional wrestling, including AEW and the world of wrestling outside Vince's purview. Heck of a show for you tonight. It's it's going to be something, alright, and let's just get on into it. I am your host, John Gavrexky-Maxwell. Joining me tonight, we have Trace Evans. Hey, how's it going, John? Doing okay. I mean, all things considered, like yeah, we're we're about to unload here. Absolutely, we're gonna load a, a gun f- up full of talk and just yeah, yeah. It's been a fucking week. Uh, a lot of shit has been going on that has not made me very happy. Uh, not the least yeah. of which being the world of wrestling and yeah, we're gonna have to get into that and really get into that. But first. Mm-hmm. I feel like we should start off with something a little bit light. You see, Oscar Bernard is out on assignment this week, and we wish him all the best, and we will see him next week, and we hope that he's doing well on his spooky adventures. And in fact, I, you know, I kind of wish that we could be off there having fun and being spooky with him instead of, mm-hmm. you know, having to do some serious work here. But yeah, shit's got to get done. But you see... I don't know if you know this, Trace, but some news came out in the past week about some XFL stuff. Oh, I saw, and you were talking about light news. <laughs> this is about as light as it gets, holy crap. Oh boy, oh boy, it is light indeed. And of course, how could we discuss this without our resident XFL expert? So, the answer is, we didn't. I recorded a thing uh, with Oscar on Monday where we talked about this, the whole very subject, and it's some good times and some fun uh, seven and a half minutes or whatever, and uh, we're going to throw to that right now. Where's the kind of football that the NFL used to be? Where's my smash mouth wide open football? Ball, 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 ball. All right, joining me now from the past... It's Oscar Bernard. Hey, John. What's going on, Oscar? Why are we here to talk about important things not on the day that Heel Alternative is happening? So, we were talking about uh, the XFL a couple weeks ago. And we sure were. I still yeah. can't believe all those players just lost in one fell swoop. Rest in peace. Well, well, I have some interesting news for you, because it seems like one of those players might have come back to life, because they're no longer Holy in the shit. XFL. Wait, what? 
Yes, yeah, so uh, Corey Vreen, who is, I believe, I believe he was, um, well, he was playing for Corey, Corey Vereen. He was signed to the, uh, the Los Angeles Wildcats. Yeah, and we're saying was in the past tense because he, he quit the XFL over some salary issues. He sure fucking did. And so they found out that the base salary for an XFL player is going to be $27,000 and 40, 27, 27,040 a year. Yep, I, I also have the statement the uh, because basically he put out a press release, or rather his uh, his sports uh, agent put out a press release via his Twitter, just basically saying, "Hey, uh, I'm not signing with the XFL, and this is why." And in it, in boldface letters, they say, and I quote: "The base salary is twenty seven thousand forty dollars, with per game active bonus of a one thousand six hundred eighty five dollars, and weekly win bonuses of two thousand two hundred twenty two Now. I don't know much about American football, I'll be honest. That's not a lot, is it? No, that is okay. Let me let me give you some context here, Oscar, for some American sports. Um baseball uh in the past several years has had serious issues with their minor league players because they're basically saying like their minor league players feel like they're not making enough money like they're just you know for basically everything they have to do and everything that they're getting they're not making enough money uh many minor league players are making between and the ones that are complaining about this are making between 55 and 80 thousand dollars a year oh wow in the NFL, and again, I'm, I am no football expert, so, you know, this is all stuff that I've been just, like, looking into and, and doing my own research here. But in the NFL, if you are on the lowest of the low rungs, if basically you are uh, you're a member of a team's training camp uh, and you never get to make the actual team, but you stay in the training camp for both the entire preseason and the entire season, your base salary is somewhere around, like, $77,000. So this is pretty bad, then. This is th- unbelievable. Is $27,000 a year minimum wage? Does that even meet minimum wage? I, that might not. I'm honestly not sure is the thing. Like, Because I know it varies have, from state to I'd state. I have to do the math. I'd have to do the math here, but I mean, just to give you a, uh, you know, just to give you a baseline here, uh, the median, the median salary, I think in the entire country is somewhere around between 50 and $55,000. Jesus Christ. They're making half of that. And again, like they're making half of that to do, to play full fucking games of like one of the most like dangerous and like harshest sports on your body in like the entire fucking world. Yeah, no, football, like, I remember my father always saying to me, he's really glad that I was never into playing football because he did not want me to get concussed. Yeah, like, and, 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 mm mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's like, yeah, so I can, and and I bet you the XFL is not paying for health insurance. Oh, I'm sure they're not. That sounds exactly like something Vince would definitely not do. Actually, does the NFL pay for health insurance? Yes, they have a players' union. Okay. 
Yeah, it, it is it is through the players union that they they cover a lot of these things. But hey, surprise surprise, I'm guessing the XFL's not going to have a union considering how, you know, Vince's other company dealt with unions in the 80s. Well, so I was going to say, is it a football players union or is it specifically an NFL union? It's the NFL players union. Hmm. That's that's fucked up. Yeah, it is fucked up. Yeah. XFL kickoff February 2020. Get hype for watching these underpaid, underappreciated players just get their fucking shit rocked through so, fucking Vince McMahon's complete and other incompetence and then have to, like, suffer through fucking injuries that they can't, like, fully, you know, pay for. So this I'll be great. honest, I'll be honest, because as someone that has seen every single televised minute of the original run of the XFL, on the commentary in the 2001 season... They mentioned a lot about how they didn't pay their players a lot as like a point of pride of like, yeah, we didn't pay our players for uh, training camp. They This first kickoff game is the first time this year they're going to be paid and we made sure they're not paid so they're hungrier than ever. And I wonder if it's that same bullshit philosophy that's coming into the XFL this time. I mean... Let's be honest here. It's a bullshit philosophy that applies to a lot of sports and a lot of different fucking, uh, you know, professions out there, especially one that we're going to be talking a lot about on this very episode. I mean, at least this is the only problematic story that Vince McMahon has had this week. I mean, if we want to be technical about it, it is, it's the company the Hunter's in charge of. Oh, that's why we're talking about it on this show. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, all right. Before we let you go, Oscar, I mean, clearly we we're going to actually really get into this, but I mean, since I guess that's the next segment here, let's just uh set it up. Hey, Oscar, what you think about this Jordan Miles shit? It's fucking bullshit. <laughs> it's fucking bullshit, all right, and we're going to get into that right now. John, before you return, I just have a question for you. Yeah. Are we really surprised that the guy that once said people like you don't get to be champion are is having a racism controversy. I just had a realization here. Considering all the things that Triple H has done, has Triple H actually Justin Trudeau? <laughs> we now return you to your regularly scheduled heel alternative, already in progress. Before we move on, Trace, do you have any thoughts about all this xfl salary bullshit no it's bullshit and uh they are underpaid and like i think y'all wrap it up pretty well it's how do you think you can run football like this in 2019 i feel like oscar did have a really interesting point there when he brought up the whole thing about how when xfl had their first run fucking vince or whoever was on commentary talking about how like oh we haven't paid these players they're hungry they're itching for their like big payday like and that's supposed to be a good thing like and are they gonna try and fucking do that shit again especially in this fucking economic climate in this fucking late stage capitalism society we live in yeah exactly it's uh, look i understand clawing scratching and rewarding better performance things like that that's great but the base has to be still if everything goes horribly wrong i can still live off this and right now it most certainly isn't oh no it absolutely is not no, it's more like you are very much in the coal mines and the entire roof is collapsing on you. But hey, you'll get some health benefits if you make it out alive. 
hey, at least you get to be on a football team, living your dream, and maybe getting to go to the NFS. <laughs> Just kidding. That's not going to happen. Every company happen. that says, hey, you know, you're living your dream by working here. You should be happy to work here. No matter what that company does, it could be like you could be making freaking cotton candy machines and having all the cotton candy you want, being a cotton candy fanatic or whatever shit you're into. I don't know what the fuck you're into, Pleasant Viewer. But whatever it is, if they're paying you like half of what you should be paid, at least, it's not worth it. Don't do it. Never Ever. do it. Ever. Life like, facts. Yeah, get paid for what you do. And also remember that, like, even if you are getting paid for what you do, sometimes it's just not fucking worth it. That too. Yeah, absolutely true. Which, like, look, I think it's time. Mm-hmm. This let's is just, a great segue. Let's just get on into it, uh, Trace. Yeah, yeah. So some shit happened this weekend. Yep. Mr. Super himself, my good friend Panu Japan, ACH, now under a new name. Black Goku himself. Yep, indeed. Dear God. So this was a fucking trip mm. to wake up to on Sunday morning and, and start reading this. Uh, yeah, no kidding. So at 5.55 in the morning on Sunday, we get a tweet from... ACH, uh, now known as Jordan Miles uh, in WWE, uh, he is, for those that don't know, he is the one of the, the eight signees that was part of the NXT Breakout Tournament, which he was the winner of, winning on the, uh, the pre-show there that they taped uh, before uh, uh, NXT TakeOver uh, Toronto, too. Correct, yeah. And then he went on to face Adam Cole. I think he lost, and that was that. Yep, he had a match against Adam. He challenged Adam Cole for the title. He had he was Adam Cole's first defense. It was a it was a good match where, but you know, Adam Cole won clean, and yep. that was the last we'd seen of Jordan Miles. We hadn't heard hide or hair from him uh, in you know weeks. Like we hadn't seen him since the show went live. Right, and probably a good thing to add in here before we get into the real badness is that. Every one of these stars had, like, really shitty t-shirts come out that were mocked by certain other companies at EW. Yep. That were just, like, really cheap little names and something that represents them. Oftentimes, pretty much something you'd get out of Corel Draw, if you kids remember that shit. <laughs> Very much just designs that were just, like, it felt, like, lazily and hastily thrown together without, like, yeah. any real thought into who these wrestlers are or what they're about, which, in fairness, like, they haven't really had the time to do anything. They don't have characters. Like, you don't no. really have anything to base their personalities off. No, not at all. And it's like, okay, Zai Lee's got some Chinese-looking font, and it's got a fan and chopsticks. Whoop-de-doo. Wow. Yeah. Like, fuck. That's not... Why would I buy a shirt of that? Yep. But... Yeah. None of that. Like, that's a bad one, too, but... Mm -hmm. It's not nearly as bad as what Jordan Miles had to deal with. So Jordan Miles, at 5.55 on Sunday morning, posted the following tweet. I will keep posting this till my voice is heard. I'm not sorry for anything I say or do. Representation is important. If this is Vince McMahon's and Triple H's vision of me, then this is a slap in the face to every African-American performer, fan, and supporter. Following that is a picture of a black t-shirt with a red mouth, 
uh, basically like very bright, like red, uh, and the words Jordan Miles in white leather letters, basically in the form of like a very toothy grin. Yeah, it's very much thick lips, toothy grin, and geez, that's super fucking racist. It's completely unsubtle. Yeah. No, like, that, that's that's from an era that we should have gone past ages ago. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and even if this was unintentional, even if this is something, like, people didn't think of this and just, like, didn't realize, like, what they were doing, like, h- how the fuck, how the fuck do you not, like, know this imagery? How the fuck do you, have you, like, no concept of how fucking, like, classically fucking racist this is? It's something that somebody along the line should at least be trained in having enough knowledge of history. And I'm not saying historians or bullshit like that. Just common sense of, hey, here's some fucked up things you can do on your social media accounts that you should never do. And that person can step in, look at a t-shirt and say, yep, nope, I should never post about this. I need to raise a flag to somebody because this is bad and we're going to get in trouble. And yet. And yet, this happens. Mm Mm-hmm. So, of course, this blows up. This spends the most of Sunday, like, getting a lot of traction and getting a lot of, you know, criticism. And Miles is tweeting throughout the whole thing. As he should, honestly. Because, yeah, like, honestly. call this shit out. It's like, this is bad. It's a really big black eye for WB, And that's considering they're going to Saudi Arabia soon. We're not going to talk about that shit. Yeah. Like, this is in a week where, yeah, they are literally going to a fucking oppressive regime to perform, like, charm offensive propaganda for them. In a week where they are literally fucking, like, putting on, like, fucking trying to make. God, I'm not going to. I'm not going to get into this. I'm not going to get into yeah. this fucking stupid, like propaganda women's match yeah no that's a whole different bag of fish and it's just yeah i'm i'm no no good can come of that match given that they've already tried and failed to make any grounds on that ages ago and by ages ago i mean like even six months ago nine months ago whatever yep god knows anyway wwe puts out a statement finally sunday night in which they say the following Albert Hardy Jr., a.k.a. Jordan Miles, approved this t-shirt for sale. As always, we work, co- we work collaboratively with all of our performers to develop logos and merchandise designs and get their input and approval before proceeding. This was the same process with Albert, and we responded swiftly once he later requested that the logo slash t-shirt be redesigned. No t-shirts were sold. This is a bad response. This is a very bad response. First of all... Using, like, fucking power-wording him, using his fucking real name like you do when you're fucking, like, mad at someone and want to, like, fucking disavow them. Mm-hmm. Not a good look. Then trying to throw him under the bus and being like, well, first of all, he approved it, so, like, we didn't do anything wrong. But then, like, hey, we did the right thing and didn't sell it anyway, so, like, what the fuck do you want from us? And beyond all that... They don't even take responsibility for that. Yes, we are now aware this was racist, or we didn't realize this was racist. They, they don't say anything about that. They should have just flat out said, we put out racist imagery. It was wrong. It was bad of us to do. Don't mention ACH. It's on you, WWE. Yep. And yet, they didn't. They just said basically, well, he said something bad, but he originally approved it. Which, yeah, we should get into that part. 
Absolutely. Like, the fact that that is their response and, like, the fact that they are basically defending the fact that, like, well, he was okay with it at first, mm-hmm. but then, like, when he was suddenly not okay with it, we were like, fine, whatever. And we didn't sell any t-shirts, so we didn't make any money off it. None of them were out there, so uh, sorry you were offended. Yeah, like, sorry that, like, we did the right thing and pulled this. And yeah. you're just mad that, like, you know, we did the right thing and didn't sell it to you. Yeah, no. If you want to be better about this, say, hey, we put a racist t-shirt out there with one of our superstars. We did not properly check it or vet it. We are deeply sorry about it. It will not be for sale, and we will work further to make sure we never do anything of this sort ever again. Yeah. That would be better. That wouldn't be great, but that would still be a notch better. That would be, yeah, like, obviously, like, it wouldn't be a fucking good situation because you still did the fucking thing. But that at least would show some fucking contrition and show some fucking understanding of, like, the horrible shit that you did. And, like, the fact that, like, you want to be better than that and do better than that. But, like, of course, we're dealing with a fucking company that, like, really the only PR they care about is, like, their fake bullshit philanthropy. Yep, precisely. So, of course, from here, it all spirals into some directions. That we're going to have to get into. Oh, yes, we are. Things start off okay. Uh, Jordan Miles does respond to this stuff by uh, acknowledging the fact that, hey, look, when I first – I was uncomfortable when I was first presented with this shirt. I did not address it up front. I instead tried to pivot and suggest, like, different designs, and then I was told – I was told by one person that this was a directive from Triple H that he really wanted it, and then I confronted Triple H on it and was told by him that he was informed that I was appro- that it was approved by me, so there wasn't a problem. That is super fucked in so many ways. Everybody backstabbing one another. Yep, and then he posted a screenshot of an email confirming that. Which, honestly... Good on him for keeping notes like that. Like, no, if like, he, he kept his fucking receipts, and that's great. Yeah, because otherwise, you know the first thing everybody on social media would be saying, well, where, where's the proof of this if you're going to make these claims? You know, they're denying it, and they're the big corporation, so clearly they know more than you. No, fuck that shit. He's got the email. It proves that they did some racist-ass chicanery on him. But, of course, this had its own controversy because he didn't remove the email addresses from the screenshot so that kind of a goof yeah like kind of it definitely a goof like (laughs) i'm not gonna sit here and say that like oh man like that's fucking disqualifying but like of course some fucking people went in on that and was accusing him of fucking being unprofessional and all this bullshit for you know again presenting the fucking receipts that he had Right, and honestly, I don't know if I feel bad that he put the emails out there. He probably shouldn't have, at least not entirely, but, you know, same deal. Those motherfuckers can get told by people who uh, may be angry about this shit, you know? Let yep. go in on him. Yeah, and, uh, b- but the problem is, like, you know, because people were able to fucking go in on the no perfect, vi- you know, basically mm-hmm. doing this no perfect victim thing, like, yeah. he he has since deleted that tweet. Right. And and so basically, like, and I've been looking and it, I, I'm not sure that anyone has really screen capped that tweet. I feel like where I've seen that tweet before, the news sites that have picked up have done the censorship of the email addresses since mm. to show the message, but not the actual addresses, because I've seen the messages. I just, okay, well, I, I didn't see I the emails. 
and no, it's okay. It, 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 for all those might be pulled for all I know. I don't know. And maybe I missed the email address because I tend not to look at that stuff. I tend to look at the message like, yeah, that's a racist fuck right there. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I don't need to fucking email this guy. I don't, he's not the fucking CEO of Geo Media. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Now that fucker. I have his phone number. We could call it. We, we could at some point. And do you think it'd be a good sign off it if we just called and... We'll get to there. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so things again. Jordan Miles kept tweeting through the entire thing. He called the WWE system a fraud. They create this system where you can't trust anyone. You grow cold and you grow apart from what you love the most. The fact that Hulk Hogan is still employed after giving the locker room an apology for being caught says enough. He also tweeted a video in which he says WWE doesn't care about black people. Mm-hmm. And then there was. The one that everyone's talking about. Mm-hmm. Fuck ROH two. The only one allowed. The only allowed one African American to be the top guy, while guys like Cedric Alexander, TD, Malcolm Velly. Is that a? Uh, is that Malcolm Bivens? Um, I forget his actual name, but yeah, Stokey Carmichael. Something like that. Yeah, I. I- I, I don't know what the names have swapped around to. I've been so lost in that. Yeah, fair. Uh, whoever that person that he tweeted is. And myself had the chase, this visible carrot on a stick. Name another African-American who reached great heights other than this. And then he posts a picture of Jay Lethal. And he calls yeah. him the thing that you already know. Yeah, he kind of used it. Isn't quite a slur, but it certainly isn't something you ever say in good public, public, or anything like that. It's it's pretty damn close to a slur, I would say. It might, it might as well be. Yeah, I will say, as I thought a lot about this, and I am definitely using my going to abuse my privileges that I rarely use, and use my position as pro wrestling dot cool editor in chief to say that the official stance on. Jordan Miles referring to to Jay Lethal as mm-hmm. an, an Uncle Tom is that none of us are people of color and we have absolutely no right or no like our opinions on this don't matter like right that's it's, that part is true that is a that is a very charged thing to say without a doubt and without any context of what he means which we won't get because he has removed those tweets and made it very clear that he's not going to address that statement any further we are in no position to weigh in on it like and yes while that is a statement that is very charged and very something that like we should not say and we should not be referring to people as like Right. It's a very different context between two black men. Yeah, it kind of has implication more of anything else of the nice sellout. The nice sellout to your history, to your tradition. And, you know, I obviously I don't know the perspective here. This is probably a lot more inside baseball than either of us will know. Yep. And that is going on here. Frankly, it's probably a lot more inside baseball than we even have the right to know. That's true. What I will say is that this is the guy who did the Macho Man and the Ric Flair impressions and got himself over almost entirely on those. And then kind of just spiraled upwards from there. So, he can do the impressions. He's one of the good ones. Is probably what I'm reading out of that. But, again, 
that's I don't know enough about the situation to say that is the sole purpose. For all we know, Jay Lethal has put in good hard work over the years. Yeah, and like again, for all we know, maybe it's something like maybe he doesn't like that Jay Lethal is a steadfast representative of you know a company that is owned by Sinclair Broadcasting. Like again, it could be a That's lot true. of things that we have absolutely no idea of, absolutely no context for. We haven't been in a Ring of Honor locker room. We don't know any of these things. Frankly, this deals with a lot of like fucking issues that we couldn't possibly in our wildest dreams comprehend. Yeah, we're too white for this, unfortunately, to yeah. be able to weigh in. But, and we're not workers. But all that said, like, this is something where I completely understand why he deleted it. And frankly, like, it was probably the right move. Not because, like, not because he said something wrong. But the point is that, like, going in this direction fucking takes away from the argument that you're making it gives people the it gives people the capacity to fucking it gives people the out to dismiss you and Mm -hmm. fucking dismiss your argument wholesale and just focus on the fact that like you're fucking that you're fucking angry and like calling out these people that maybe aren't really like you know that definitely are part of what you're feeling and part of, like, what you see as the problem, but aren't directly related to the situation at hand. Yeah. It gives people an out to just not take you seriously or to, like, say some shit. And, you know, from there, we get into some of the shit, like, you know, I think about some of the fucking... Some of the fucking ways that this art that this shit was covered on like fucking wrestling websites. Fucking PW yeah. Insider had a had a headline about uh about Miles's fucking tweeting in which they say that he lashes out, and the story itself goes on to be like somewhat sympathetic to fucking Miles here, but the way that they refer to him is again in that headline lashes out. The angry man is all of a sudden angry. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it just, it plays, it, again, it plays into fucking people's stereotypes of angry black men. Yep, exactly, and it just completely distracting factor. Hey, here's another likable guy we could use as an example. Oh, we're going to use this distraction, completely ignore the t-shirt, which is a whole crux of this entire problem. Look, they're having beef on Twitter. No, it's like, fucking delete that, get back to the point, is that WWE did a racist thing. There's a lot of racism in wrestling. But the racist thing is the crux of this. Yeah, and then you get shit like fucking Titus O'Neil tweeting like, Hey, mm-hmm. I I support you standing up against this. I, I agree with what you're doing here. But, like, the way that you're doing it, again, because of the lethal shit, the way that you're doing you're going about it all wrong. Like, I basically said to him that, like, you're not doing it for the culture. You're doing it for yourself. Which... Again, I I feel like people are forgetting this is a guy who's been in New Japan, has been absolutely beloved over there. Mm-hmm. He could probably he's probably going to go back there because that's one place I'll welcome open arms. He'll go right back with Team Taguchi. Yeah, and I mean I cheer. Yeah, I mean I saw him at the fucking uh, at the like the MLW taping last October. He was fucking fantastic, and everybody loved him. Yeah, and it's like he doesn't owe anything to. He doesn't owe anything to anyone and how he conducts himself or you can't do it that way. Like he's Yeah, you may have burned one bridge, but there's plenty over in other directions. Don't worry about that, Titus. Like, don't let's not talk about the coding of this. Like, 
yeah, I, I think it just kind of pours into why he deleted that original tweet. Yeah. And then, then there was Booker. Booker T, which, yeah, I, I really, really don't like how he goes off online about this stuff. Yep. I, again, I feel like this is delving into places where my say on this has absolutely no meaning and I don't even really have a fucking, I don't really have a leg to stand on with saying anything because like, you know, I'm fucking white as shit here. Right. But I think from a capitalist point, we can say that he's kind of a corporate chill. Yeah. I feel like in many of these situations, I look at Booker T's responses to all of them and his response always seems to be play the game. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I I just look at this and and it just makes me constantly feel like Booker T is not a very good ally. And I also feel like Booker T forgets what got him to this point. Yep. That was Vince Russo standing up for him amidst a completely bullshit WCW and saying this is the hardest worker in the locker room. Yep. And yet you're putting Hulk Hogan over. You're putting these old guys over who can't do shit. Booker T should be champion. And that's what got him over. That's what got him his singles run. That's what got him propelled pretty much on his route to stardom. You you can disagree on some of the points and how he got there, but that was a huge factor. Yeah, it was. Like, I hate to fucking give Russo any fucking credit for anything ever. Same. He he is one of the major reasons that fucking Booker T was able to be a breakout single star. Yeah, basically somebody going outside the Rolodex and saying, no, this guy is who we need to be pushing. You know, not the stereotypical guy. Like, I fucking hate to say it. Book- He's the reason that Booker T got to be one of my favorite wrestlers. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, he would have just been Harlem Heat, GI Bro, whatever bullshit was thrown at him. Yep. And then look what happened to him. Mm-hmm. Which exactly. maybe I guess that's why he's now completely broken. Yeah, yeah. He uh, certainly had an unfortunate downturn, and I think he's just... Happy that he's still alive and getting paid by WWE. Thank you for the money, WWE. Corporate chill. Yep. So anyway, all of this finally culminates in a response. Came out yesterday, uh, sometime Tuesday. Was it Tuesday morning? I think so, yeah. Jordan Miles posts on Twitter. Or sorry, on Instagram. My tweets yesterday were completely disrespectful and were unprofessional. I have offended... uh, He wrote offend, but whatever. We knew what he meant. Yeah, exactly. I have offended a ton of people and used anger to fuel me. With that being said, I'd like to take this time to state an apology for not giving a shit about what others think of me. The anger I have inside of me has, has been built up for years now. Call me what you want, but you will never, ever be able to call me fake. I've been lied to, used, and often mistreated by others who I viewed as associates. I've tiptoed around, kept quiet, even took some L's when necessary. Emotionally charged up due to the shirt which triggered past emotions. I'm never going to be sorry for being me, nor will I take back my words. I'm the damn professional wrestler in the world and universe today. I'm the best, I assume he meant. My ribs are touching, and I'm tired of waiting. Time to snatch plates from those that have been eating far too long and always get seconds while guys like myself have to eat crumbs from the floor like an unwanted child. For four years, I gave my all to a promotion only to find that you could only reach so high just as long as you didn't surpass certain people. 
I never begged for anything. I never kissed no ass nor or did rub elbows with the right people to get ahead. I hustled, work hard. I didn't call Hunter every day to get booked in New Japan. Shout out to New Japan. I earned it. I always wanted to be the guy, and of no one, if no one will allow me to be in that spot, I shall blaze my own trail to that spot, rather or it be by the approval of others or not. Today I shall continue to go the distance. Today I shall be moving forward. Today I shall rise up from my past ashes like a dark phoenix and promote change in this industry. Remember these words, I am the best in the world, and no man or woman will stop me from being honest. Go the distance. Hashtag miles ahead. Hashtag for the culture. I fucking love this comment. Yep. I I mean, I think it says it all. I don't need to commentate on that other than, you know, super. It's fucking great. And the only thing better than that is his follow-up of he has gotten pro wrestling tees to re-release his fuck races and watch wrestling shirt. One of my favorite shirts I wish I could wear in public more often. I am totally going to buy one of those. It's fucking great. Um, all the proceeds are getting donated to the, the AADA. Do you remember what that stands for? Oh, it's uh, Anxiety and Depression or something like that. I believe it's a... I don't know the full name of the organization, but they deal with both anxiety and depression. Eddie he also came out and, and fucking called Booker T out and was like, Hey, and I quote... Yo, Booker T, I got nothing but respect for you. Have me on the podcast so we can discuss the situation as a whole. <laughs> that ain't happening. Yeah, I'm gonna say that Booker's not gonna do that. Yeah, I'm gonna. Pre- I'm pretty sure that even if he thought about doing it, somebody from WWE is like, uh, sir, um, back away from the ACH. He's uh, scary right now. Mm-hmm. But good on him for getting that shirt back out. Like that. Fuck that yeah. That was. As soon as I saw this whole rant start, I was like, where is this shirt when we need it? Like, that's the better shirt. And he fucking, he fucking did it. He put yep. it back out there. And Thank you. such a good fuck you. It is. And because it also, it's like, well, you can't say that, like, I'm fucking breaking a contract or whatever by selling a shirt that, you know, that you're not selling. Because, like, I'm not making money off of this. Exactly. And even if he is, I don't think he really gives too much of a shit at this point. It's true. But obviously, the key here is that he's not trying to do this to profit off of his uh, sudden controversial glory. He He's just trying to get attention to the issue here. Yep, which it's fucking incredibly distressing to see people just, like, see this response and fucking call him, like, self-serving. Yeah. Like, and try to, get, you know, try to get his name out there by, like, getting trying to get Booker T to go on the pod, getting him on the podcast. Oh, he's just out there trying to get his own pipe bomb moment. No, this is actually a fucking racist thing. It's not a pipe bomb. That's calling someone out for being racist. And, like, let's just be fucking frank here. This is the same shit that we've seen a million fucking times before in this company. Yeah, and, like, one thing I've seen people call him out for and try to use as an example that I think is completely blind is when people will say, Oh, look at Kofi. He was a champion. People forget how Kofi got to be champion, though. Yeah, Kofi had to fucking, like, claw and, like, fucking dig his way out of a hole for fucking 11 years. Yeah, starting out with a nice little Jamaican gimmick. And this latest bit that got him the championship was kind of like how Booker T got his push all of a sudden. Ali got injured. Kofi took the spot because he needed a mid-carder to take the spot. And... Kofi went above and beyond in the match, 
And then his pals at the New Day started putting out messages that not only indicated that they started thinking there was some racist stuff going on that were holding people down from the title spot, but also that maybe they were starting to feel hopeless if they he didn't get something out of this. And Twitter and the whole world latched onto that. And let's not forget that this is a group who's, like, the very reason that they're fucking over in the first place. And this is a fucking story that Xavier Woods has has told. Like, this is from mm-hmm. the fucking source here. Like, yeah. Vince McMahon did not want them to turn heel. Vince McMahon wanted them to stay this fucking, like, shitty, like, positive babyface characters that were fucking killing them. That everyone yeah. fucking hated. And Xavier Woods basically, like, put a challenge to them and basically said to them, hey, let us, like, turn heel. We can get over. If we don't get over, you can fire us. Yep. And- Xavier Woods had to fucking put his job on the line to fucking stoke Vince's interest in letting them become, like, the most fucking overact that in, like, the fucking company. They had this, yeah, spook Vince with that, put all three of their necks on a chopping block. And what do you know, when they're actually left to do their own thing, they turn out to be one of the, if not the hottest stable in WWE in the last five years. Yeah, funny how that works. Yeah, weird. (laughs) This is a fucking company that continues to employ Michael Hayes. And, like, yeah, I get it. He's not, like, you know, he's he's not, like, he's head of the fucking writing team anymore. But, like, he still is in a position of power. And this is a fucking person who is literally, you know, credited with the notion that, like, again, I'm just fucking directly quoting from uh, David Shoemaker's uh, passage from his fucking uh, book, The Squared Circle, Life, Death, and Pro Res- Professional Wrestling. Mm-hmm. This is a man who is often credited with the notion that black wrestlers don't need gimmicks because being black is their gimmick. Which, yeah, fuck you on that one, Michael Hayes. Also, as a reminder, he was suspended for uh, in 2008 because uh, he got in a fight with Mark Henry and told him, I'm more of an N-word than you are. Yep. And let's not forget the Zelt Company where Vince McMahon just trotted out that word like it was his during a big event. I think it was a pay-per-view, in fact. Yeah, sure was. All to have a fucking Booker T joke. Mm-hmm. This fucking company. This is a company where, and, like, in one way it's shocking that it's happening in fucking, like, NXT when NXT is the fucking brand that tries to sell itself as, like, a more fucking, like, you know, the more progressive side of WWE where, like, you know, they really pushed women and they really pushed, like, fucking POC. Like, you know, fucking mm-hmm. NXT, NXT has, like, the f- like the first ever fucking, like, openly bisexual major champion. Yeah. Like, that's kind of fucking amazing that, like, yeah, like, obviously it's not fucking talked about. It's not fucking, like, a part of her character, and it shouldn't be. But, like, no. Shayna Baszler is, has, like, one of the most dominant champions that NXT has ever seen, and she's a fucking openly bisexual woman. There's some incredible shit going on here, and yet this is also the fucking company, the fucking wing of this, of a major conglomerate, run by a man who... Has been accused was accused of by re- former employee Ricardo Rodriguez, also known as El Local, uh, a mass luchador who would wrestle on NXT sometimes. He mm-hmm. was accused by him of referring to uh, trip. He basically accused Triple H of referring to himself and other uh, 
more portly luchadors as bumblebees, basically comparing them to Bumblebee Man from The Simpsons, you know, basically saying they're fat, lazy, goofy idiots in dumb costumes. Which just feeds more into his whole idea of that's the entertainment that people want in his WWE, where he can just do stereotypes over and over again and get people over. Like, you can even look at just the current storylines, and I don't want to dig too much into the bad place, but, like, the fucking cuck angle that's going on. Yep. Is a big man in Bobby Lashley is taking a tinier but still big Russian man's wife, and she's into it. Mm-hmm. And that's, I'm not even getting the fucking nuance of it. Yeah, but. like, I mean, we don't even have to get into the fact that this is literally, literally just, like, the actual fetish being played out here. Mm-hmm. Like, down to the archetypes. Yeah. It's, it's... I, I just... This is... And again, that's not even going into, like, Kofi Kingston's year. Yeah. And kind of how that ended very abruptly and probably won't ever happen again. Yep. And you know what? Again, like, the the point of that Triple H stuff is to say that, like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that, like, Triple H is a huge fucking racist and he's doing all these things. But, like, clearly he has these proclivities. This is Mm -hmm. a man that has done blackface on television. Yes. Like... In a time where apparently nobody blinked an eye at it, but it happened. He went all in on that fucking Booker T feud. Yeah. And again, none of this is to say that he isn't like an avowed like fucking white supremacist bigot or anything like that. But he is definitely a man that has racist tendencies. And I'm just going to throw it out there. There's that famous Ole Anderson quote from when he, and WCW was sued for racial discrimination, and he literally said on on under oath on the stand that he only hires black wrestlers because the audience wants to see him, and if he had his way, he would never work with a single one. Yeah, the industry is still very carny. And the it's industry terrible. is not that far off. The industry is in this company country primarily run yes we have a fucking upstart here it's primarily run by fucking a fucking psychotic billionaire that is best friends with the president put the president in his hall of fame yep and a fucking broadcast company that rivals fox news in their psychopathy yeah putting out Actual legitimate fake stories and putting out scripts and everything like that. And let's not even get to, like, one Forcing of the good places. Forcing their news anchors to read legitimate plot propaganda. Yeah. And that's not even talking about, like, one of the other good places. Like, the Khan family voted for Trump. Part of the auto industry believes very heavily in conservatism and stuff like that. But they have deep regret because, oh, we thought it was all about business over here. Still, they... they they're yep. just a step away from showing they're part of the problem as well. Look, so let's I not mean, say they're free of sin. I'm not going to, you know, look, and I hate to fucking even go there with it, but I mean, let's just mm-hmm. fucking say it right now. Like, consider, like, the fucking wrestlers of color that they have on their show. They have, mm-hmm. hey, they they got, they put the belt on Scorpio Sky kind of by accident. Yep, that's, absolutely that's, by accident. That's really cool, and I'm into that, and that's awesome, but, like... 
they have private party that like hey I love them and they're fucking awesome and amazing but they're I like I I get that they're coming at it legitimately but they're also kind of playing a fucking smiling black guys that love to have fun gimmick yep and yeah I I really feel like there it, is it feels real with them it's one of those things where it's like they're great and I don't think about it in that sense because it feels so real and natural from them but it's when you really think about it it's hard to ignore the fact that this is like one of the few archetypes that fucking wrestlers of color have traditionally been allowed to have yep exactly like you look at what private party does and you can't help but see a little bit of Titus O'Neil and Darren Young and what they do same kind of shtick, another company, another era. And it's weird, that shows up in different places, and yet, yeah, Private Party will be a little bit different. Hopefully they'll continue to evolve and things like that, but the owners are unchanging. And then there's the one wrestler of color they have that is truly different and truly, like, actually, like stands out as their own fucking person like beyond race beyond everything and mm-hmm. like sunny kiss is only on AEW dark pretty much and the I, fucking librarians got to be on dynamite before sunny kiss yeah i'm really fucking hoping that changes i know dustin rhodes wants to push sunny kiss to the moon hopefully somebody listens like i i hope it is really just they're testing the waters because they are worried that, like, a wide audience might get kind of homophobic with it. So they're maybe trying to put it on dark where, like, if some bad shit happens, they don't have to use it. But it doesn't send the right message. It sure doesn't. I just, it's, how does everybody get ahead in this stuff? Somebody takes a chance, tries something new, and amazing things happen. Just, that's the message I just have out there. You don't stick to the same old rules. You take the fucking chance with them. You break away from these fucking shticks. And I'm going to say fucking like that repeatedly. It's just, let them break away. Let people try something new. Break those expectations. Yep. You're going to get something great out of it. Yeah. We don't need to keep doing this shit anymore. We don't need to no. keep falling back on these fucking stupid tropes that, like, they don't actually get anyone over. They don't actually help anyone. Does anyone, like, fucking... Who, like... You know, I hate to fucking defend him because he's, you know, a real life piece of shit who deserves the worst shit. But, like, let's be fucking frank here. What, how did fucking turning Brodus Clay into a a smiling, dancing dinosaur man that loves his mommy, like, how did that help him in any way? How did that get him over? How did that make him a lasting, popular character? Oh, but it'd sell more t-shirts, pal. He's he's happy and smiling and clapping and yeah. And he has cheerleaders. How many years did it take for Naomi to break away from that? Too many. And now what is she? She's still the happy go lucky party girl. Yep. A little more original with the neons, but still. Well, I mean, in fairness, now she's not on television. One could presume because then yeah. they'd have to then they'd have to have her husband on television who they're mad at. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a whole separate situation, thankfully, but, jeez. True. The shit is fucked. And it is. The shit needs to change, because the shit can't keep happening, and it's hard, sometimes it's hard to feel like it's actually going to. But really, what it comes down to is fucking shame on WWE. 
Shame on Absolutely. everybody involved in this company for this. Yeah. They are the forefront of all of this. They've had the chance. They've had more rope than they've ever needed to get away with this stuff and not have to worry about losing anything. And they just don't give a fuck. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's just fucking arrogance. It's just a understanding that, or it's, it's not even understanding, it is just a confidence that no one, none of you fucking people are going to go anywhere else. We can do whatever the fuck we want. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you going to do? Stop watching? Not pay for our shit? It is just arrogance mixed with just antipathy for their audience. Mm-hmm. Thinking that they'll just put up with whatever. Yep. And the way that this stops is if fucking people like Jordan Miles stand up and say, I'm not fucking dealing with this bullshit anymore. And fucking yeah. 100% we stand with him and support him, like, in whatever he's going to do. And for all the fucking people that want to, like, criticize him, criticize the way that he's handled things, like, you know what? Yeah, sure. There has been some better ways that he could have done this all. But you know what? There's no such thing as a fucking perfect victim. And the fact that, like, yeah. he's had he's made some mistakes in all of this doesn't change the fact that he's clearly been fucking wronged by a company that is clearly not doing what it needs to do to write this. Couldn't said it better myself. I just hope he goes back to New Japan at some point because he's probably not going to last long here. And I hope he starts showing himself up in places where people are going to watch and see ACH just being fucking awesome couldn't have said it better myself (laughs) so yeah on that note um we're not talking about nxt this week because you know between between this bullshit in fucking saudi arabia that like the bad place is doing and this bullshit that nxt has gotten themselves into i just you know what i didn't have the heart for it no it's okay i guess there's poppy on there and that's okay but whatever like, I saw that's... a clip of Poppy. That's cool. I like that she, that Io Shirai came out to Scary Mask. I don't want that to be her theme song. Me neither. Like, get back that original theme song. God damn it. It's amazing. They apparently played the original theme song after she won, but Good. I'm still worried. Yeah, likewise. Like, give her her goddamn Hotline Miami gimmick. Yep. That, that's all I have to say about NXT this week. NXT coverage will return next week. Mm-hmm. Unless I decide that I'm still angry at them. It depends on how it depends on how things go forward from here. Yeah, exactly. This this could go real bad when we're here a week later. Well, you know what they say, folks. More in this story as it develops. Hell yeah. But the fact that I was really mad at NXT this week meant that I actually got to do something that I have never done in the entire run of this show, and I actually like dedicated myself to watching AEW Dynamite and nothing else. Part of me is excited for that, but also I kind of feel like this might have been the weakest week for them. It actually but, was, and I, yeah. I definitely watched it. It was like, huh, yeah, this is kind of the worst episode they've done. And I yeah, was the, like, and I was wondering. Part of me was wondering. I'm glad to hear you say that though, because part of me was wondering. It was just like, am I just feeling like really negative and down because of all the shit happening in wrestling that like no. I'm watching AEW and it's just bumming me out too. A lot of it, I'm wondering, is just because maybe they thought, oh, yeah, World Series is happening. Our ratings are going to suck no matter what. Let's just try some stuff. And all of it kind of plummeted and failed. Um, I mean, not to say this is a bad episode, but it was not a great episode. I feel like they thought, hey, it's Halloween. 
Let's have a little, and yeah, like like you said, our ratings are probably not going to be super great. Let's just have fun with it and do a couple goofy things. And some of them were a little neat, and mm-hmm. some of them, some of them make no goddamn sense. No, I, I don't really know don't. where they're going. So one thing I do want to call out here is like the best thing they did this entire week was start turning this Am- Moxley storyline and adding an Ambrose twist into it. Yep, and. They opened with this, and it was great. The first time they've actually ever done this on TV, even though he wasn't on camera, he was definitely heard on audio, Tony Khan. And I really liked how they did this. Oh, it was so good, because he has specifically said he does not want to be on camera, so they made it like he did not want to be involved in any of this, but they got audio of um, Moxie Young and him saying basically, and he didn't say the exact words, but we all knew it, you're trying to turn me into Ambrose here. You're giving me another match, which doesn't matter for win-loss. You're making me do these unsanctioned matches because I'm so extreme and wild and crazy. When are you going to make me do something meaningful so I can rise above all these jokers? And we're, we're not getting like a Mr. McMahon gimmick here, but at the same time, we are getting a very irate Moxley, and he is just killing it with how he's reacting to this. Yep. Like, if this is... If this is how they're going to try and turn, like, if this, like, it seems like to me that they're trying to use it to, like, turn Moxley heel and, like, you know, try to get the crowd against him by just having him be so fucking violent and cruel that, like, you don't want to root for this guy because you're legit scared of him. And it's fucking working for me because, yeah, like, that pro, like, first of all, like you said, that that opening segment that they had just like you know like backstage like and first of all like not that i really have a lot of experience with them but like Mm -hmm. the one thing that i did really appreciate about like old impact was how they would try to do like their backstage segments like you know like it was people just kind of talking backstage and like they were trying to like you know catch them clandestinely Mm -hmm. and like it felt like that but in a good way yeah it did not feel like this was meant for cameras to see and cameras caught it because they were trying to catch what Moxley was up to, and it inadvertently caught a talk with the owner. Yeah, a very loud conversation. Yep. And, and yeah, it, it, it landed so well. And then his promo in the ring after. Yep. And then God. when he comes out and just, like, fucking murders Pete Avalon, and he just looks disheveled and, like, fucking in rage. And, yeah, that promo where he cuts, where, yeah, he basically says the same thing, but also just makes you believe it even more that he is literally like he is so angry about this he is so angry about all of this that he is going to just you is this what you really want i'm going to murder kenny kenny omega and like leave his carcass in your office Mm -hmm. this is a match that went from okay this is gonna be really cool to i have to see this match now this was the selling point Mm mm-hmm like, now there is no, like, how can Kenny Omega win this match? Now it's how badly does Kenny Omega lose this match? Yep. And now I'm it's, excited. Now it's what depths is Kenny Omega going to go to to try and win this match that, like, he will never fucking win? And how badly will, like, this fucking shellacking that he takes break him even further? Exactly. Because I do really appreciate, like, not to jump to another section here, but, like... No, it's fine. I do really appreciate that they're still fucking teasing that in in that Kenny entrance that he got. 
Oh, the Kenny entrance is the other thing that I absolutely adore. Just because it called out shit it probably shouldn't have been calling out. And yep. yet they got away with it. They fucking like, went there. They went right to... Let's be real. They they took... I forget. Uh, Toby... Whatever Toby Fox. his last name. Toby Fox. Thank you for that. Creator of, creator of Undertale. They had him basically put together a cutscene. You know it's him doing this with Yeah, oh, of course help. it is. It's, it's, cause it's, and it's in the exact same style of of the Kenny's Quest thing that he made for his New Japan, his final Wrestle Kingdom entrance that they didn't fucking show. Yeah, John, I'll go further and I'll say this is better than that. Oh, it's, I agree it's better. I think this, I thought this was fucking incredible. You had a lion mark on the screen that was not quite New Japan's lion mark, but it was New Japan's you, lion mark. It was, it was the Fire Pro version of it. Yeah, saying basically, yeah, you know, you think all your friends can help you now. You thought you had a friend over here, and he vanished. He left you. He is no longer your friend. And just saying, you... And just showing him basically descending in the steps of hell. And then, cute little Sans comes to help him. And save the day. <laughs> and now here's fucking Megalovania! Which, nobody else is allowed to have Megalovania. Nope. Only Kenny. Only Kenny. But Th- that should just fuck. be his entrance theme now. Mm-hmm. I, I will just flat out say, if you're listening to this podcast and you did not see the video of Kenny's entrance, I don't care how you find it, watch it. It Because it will drive Kenny's storyline for the next year if it, they're doing it right. Like, I, I, actually, the, it's something I was definitely thinking about because, like, I, I don't know if you noticed it, but um, earlier in the show, mm-hmm. they made a reference to... Uh, during the hangman match against Guevara, like they, they were talking like specifically like, Oh, if you watch being the elite this week, like, Oh yeah. They brought up the issues with the hangman there. And like this, and again with this one, like they told a pretty complete, like they gave you a pretty complete backstory of what's going on with Kenny. But like, I feel like it does tie into a lot of the stuff that was going on and being the elite. Like it does. It's tying into the whole, like Kenny is breaking. Kenny is like snapping under the pressure. And explaining why that breaks happened. It's not just that, like, he's lost these matches. It's that, like, he's lost his best friend. He feels like he's drifting apart from the people that he cares about. Yeah. Like, and- the fact that they're making Being the Elite, like, actual storyline stuff, it's, I don't know. On one hand, I'm kind of wary of it because, like, I'd rather they just do it on the actual show instead of being saying, like, oh, no, now Being the Elite is required viewing. Like, I'd rather be in the Elite still kind of stay this, like, weird backstage thing where, like, they have a little couple little skits there, but, like, it's not really a storytelling mechanism. See, I'd, I'd be okay if they took <coughs> being the Elite and turned it into, like, an extended story. Like, you don't need to watch it to know what's going on, but if you really want to know the details and nuances and really dig into the lore and stuff like that, make it like your, you know, Destiny compendium, whatever, to pull up and see, okay, that's why Kenny's been acting especially weird, because... He's shown a little bit of it on screen, but behind the scenes, you can see he's going full-on meltdown. Okay, that that's a good... I, I agree with that. That's a good point. And to that point, I don't want to pivot off this too quickly, because like, the line mark showing all his friends turning into like ghosts and zombies and basically saying, they don't care about you anymore, and blah, 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 join the, you know, the dark side, and so on. That, fucking cool. So cool. But something that should have been on Being the Elite, and instead was shown in full on AEW was a limo ride between Cody and Tony Schiavone to the arena for a contract signing. It was a good story. 
I didn't want to hear all of it during TV. Yeah, it was a strange call. Like, yeah. I, I liked what they were going for. I liked the idea of it. Like, I think that... I hate to say it, but, like, I feel like this is probably something where it's, like, WWE usually has the right idea about this, where they, like, they'll show you snippets of the interview and they'll show you snippets of the thing. And I know that they wanted it to feel live. They wanted to feel like this is actually happening and, like, Mm -hmm. this is really going on as, like, the show is happening here. But, like, I feel like this would have just been better if it was, like, hey, look, we did this really interesting interview with Cody and Tony in this limo. Go watch it on AEW's YouTube to see the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Something like that because this didn't add anything. The only thing you got out of this basically was, uh, other than a couple nice stories about the dream, you got the idea that Tony is consulting with Cody now. Okay, we kind of knew a little bit that they were good buds because of the first ever AEW Dynamite where Cody embraced Tony and almost broke down in tears because he was there for him. Mm-hmm. And you could read into that and be good of that, but here was beaten over a little bit of the head with a hammer. Yep. And then you get this whole story about, yeah, the strategy you want for these contract signings is to show up late and make the other guy angry. Get into his head. Which, okay, I just said it right there. That was like 15 seconds at most. There you go. 15 seconds. You use the rest of the time however you want. Don't tell me a story about that. Leave that for being the elite, AEW's YouTube, anywhere else. Yep. But live TV. Like, we get it. You're stalling for time because you want to p- piss off Jericho. Like, mm-hmm. you don't need to go all the way with it like yeah it was a a fun it was a fun bit in theory it was a good idea just the execution was not not ideal for a fucking two-hour show no not at all i i i felt like this is the worst segment they've done in the entire history of dynamite like you could have you could have paced this so much better and like you could have cut off some time here and actually given some time to like you know matches i think could have been a little bit better with it like say the main event yeah absolutely the main event would have been wonderful if we knew it wasn't going to be rushed at the end mm-hmm uh, yeah so didn't like that segment one other I, i'm gonna jump around a little bit here yeah that's fine one other segment i did not like at all or i i guess i didn't get it at all what the fuck was brandy doing again like, I'm not sure. Like, okay, she uh, threw uh, whatever her name was. Um, I'll get the name out here. Uh, Jamie Hader, like, down last week, and then did, like, the angry monkey point at uh, the interviewer. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out a good way to, to describe it, but yeah, no, you fucking nailed it. One. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's the angry monkey from Family Guy just pointing straight at the interviewer, and it's like, okay, so what's... What's this about, Brandy? Why are you so angry? I was thinking like, she was also like the Real Housewives meme. Oh, shoot. That could be it, too. Maybe she's going for that. May, I mean, we couldn't see the interviewer's face. Maybe she was doing the cat. <laughs> God, yeah. That'd be completely fair. I love that meme. Um, but then we get into this weird Halloween-type voodoo thing or something of that sort. Where she's like making hexes of all these other wrestlers. And okay, that's fine on its own. Okay, sure, you know, happy Halloween. Brandy's gonna hunt down the other wrestlers and win and beat them and go for Riho. Sure. But then Awesome Kong shows up. It's like Brandy's monster. And I'm confused. Like, it was just. Just Brandy's monster. 
Yeah, I, I don't understand what they're doing here other than, like, maybe this is just a fun little Halloween gimmick that they were doing. But, like, A, if it was just a goofy thing that you're doing because it's Halloween, I, I, like you said before, I feel like this is a thing that probably belongs on fucking uh, Being the Elite. Yep. Or, a shot, of, way or a shot of brandy. Yeah, exactly, because here, the way they play it, you take it completely straight. Like, oh, they're serious about this. I mean, it's Halloween, a little bit of theme, but like, okay, so Awesome Kong's going to fight for Brandy, and Brandy's going to wreck everybody. Oh, this is a weird way to show that. Yep, you do uh, this on being the elite, and it's like, merch freak! Also, Brandy's crazy. It's like, and hey, I like everyone involved here. Like, Brandy's fine. Awesome Kong is Kong, and I love her. Yeah. She's the best. Yeah, she is. But also, what the fuck was... Why? This isn't good TV. No, it was very bad TV, and they just need her to say something or do something, like, properly ominous, not these weird shticks that don't belong in AEW. It's true. Uh, Then there was that other weird thing that happened. There's a couple weird things here. (laughs) Um... I mean, we could go down the list if you want. Where you want to start? Uh, let's start from the top. Of, I mean, I'm not going to talk about Karashita much. She had a decent match with a French lady who came out of Castlevania music, so cool. She looked like Richard Belmont. I was cool with it. Yeah, I was cool with it, too. Match was um, fine. It was fine. Uh, the Rock and Roll Express were beating the death of a loaded sock. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> it was actually a decent segment. It, it, it was the good segment in that... They gave it exactly as much time as it needed and then beat the shit out of the Rock and Roll Express and killed them. Yep, exactly. You got, hey, here's the Rock and Roll Express. We love to see them. You get like a minute of them. They're holding up these cool new belts. And then here's the fucking, uh, the inner circle to murder him. Yep, proud and powerful coming out there to beat the hell out of them and drive them everywhere. And Harold Mays, you don't have to worry about them anymore. They're dead. And it got a fucking ton of heat, too. Yeah, it did. Oh, boy, did it ever. Um... Then there's also the Rick and Morty actual segment. Boy, what oh the boy. Fuck? What, what, is this, what is this show? Uh, uh, look, <laughs> to be fair, you need to have a high IQ to oh, understand fuck. what's going on in this match. Yeah, I need a 300 IQ to understand the turnbuckles that Rick and Morty on them. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Look, he's dealing... This match was dealing with some very Nietzschean Ubermensch uh, psychology about the futility of life and God being dead. Why do you think the ring posts looked like portals? I mean, now, now I've got questions about Orange Cassidy's role in all of this. Look, I get it. <laughs> you want to do a, a funny gimmick fucking match... Uh, mm-hmm. For Halloween, you have this Rick and Morty sponsorship because, you know, Rick and Morty's coming back in like a week and a half and fucking uh, TNT really wants to push it. But like, it doesn't really make sense to push it like next week. So why not do it this week when you can have it tie into Halloween? Yep, exactly. So like you have a justification to do this. And if you're going to have people dress up in Rick and Morty costumes, it makes sense to have it be the fucking best friends. Indeed. I just wish they had found maybe better opponents to work with them on this kind of stupidity. 
QT Marshall and the Wildcats, or whatever they call themselves, um, I, I don't even know. They're jobbers. Two local talents. I yeah, um, like I know we've seen it before, but I don't understand. So who are these people, and why? And who is this third guy that's eating an apple? Uh, QT Marshall is one of the guys behind the scenes who does work. He's like one of Cody's right hand men. Huh. And he does a lot of training um, locally down south, I believe. And so he he's actually been teaching Brandy how to wrestle. And okay. He said some neck issues in the past. That's why he kind of retired. But hey, his neck is fine enough now. He can do a limited amount of matches. So he's just going a whole, whole hog now. All right, as a yeah. jobber. That's, hey, look, you, you got to have your Iron Mike Sharps. You need to got your Barry Horowitzes. Yeah, and the other guys are basically either from I forget which. Uh, organization but they're basically the same deal they're like local indie talents that held indie tag belts somewhere they're solid workers they just aren't going to get over like that that's for damn sure yep nor is the expectation for him to yeah but i mean this match i feel like didn't really get anyone over like the crowd was the crowd was fine with it because it was like sufficiently stupid and they played into the stupidity of like you know them of Trent constantly losing his Morty wig. Don't get me wrong. Like, if you want to pick somebody to lean into the stupidity of this, you get the best friends. Yeah, you get the one best half. friends. But, like, but, I feel like it was also very telling that perhaps the most fucking exciting moment is after Orange Cassidy gets killed and he shows back up and he's not wearing the fucking Rick costume anymore. <laughs> it's just fucking Orange Cassidy being Orange Cassidy. And everybody's just like, yes! <laughs> exactly. And, yeah, get get them better opponents. Like, Private Party was there. What the hell are they doing? Yeah. Like, Private and Party could have done something sufficiently goofy, too. Yeah, it's not like you have to have a serious match. Even if wins and losses matter, they can have fun if they're close enough in ranking. Who gives a shit? You can win that back somewhere. Put them on dark for a match or two. Like, that's the whole bullshit of this. Is like, you can work it around as you see fit. So Since we're on the subject... I will say, Kenny mm-hmm. really appreciated his costume. Kenny had a great Sans costume. He came perfect entrance for Halloween. That Sans costume was fucking fantastic. And again, like we said before, him entering to Megalovania, fucking awesome. I would, I legit fucking marked out. Mm-hmm. And yep. Young Bucks, see me after class. I was lazy. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but uh, there's a thing called plagiarism. You just uh, plagiarized your Fighter Fest outfits. Yep. I know you didn't get to use them properly because, you know, uh, Kenny didn't get his Akuma outfit properly um, in time for Fighter Fest, but that's no excuse. Yeah. Step it up. Like, come on. I get it. Those those fucking Street Fighter costumes were really good, but, like, come on. It's like, couldn't have one of you trying to have been someone else from... Undertale, or just an idea. Yeah, or even if you even if you want to do the Street Fighter costume again, like come on, man, like mm-hmm. fucking Nick, Matt, whoever the fuck was Ken, like at least mm-hmm. get like a fucking like yellow headband or something. Try to make your hair look blonde. Yeah, exactly. I I would have much rather they just like put one of the striped sweaters over uh, Matt Jackson with all the merch around him. <laughs> and just leaned into the merch freak stuff, actually making it onto TV. <laughs> that would have been pretty funny. While also being the protagonist from Undertale. Actually, 
I, I will say, um, uh-huh. not to not to skip ahead here, but but I know you didn't see it because they're not showing the picture in picture on right. uh, the the website anymore. Yeah, the picture in picture after this match, fucking, you know, because the match ends with them fighting like they get jumped by fucking P and P in the crowd wearing a fucking Rick and Morty mask. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey Rick, we're just gonna jump the young bucks now. Yeah, don't worry, Belt. I was, pr- was yeah. pretty into it. But yeah. after they, they've fought in the crowd and everything, and the young bucks are starting to go to the back, <laughs> they got they put the fucking shirt on on that. <laughs> God, that's amazing. They made him wear the merch. That's just great. as a bit for the crowd and just during the commercial. <laughs> merch freak! I, I love it. They yeah, he he just like sadly walks to the back with the blue young bucks shirt just kind of <laughs> draped over his chest. <laughs> Not even really wearing it. That's that's wonderful. That <laughs> the stuff like that kind of showing up a little bit on TV is great. Yeah, like and that's the perfect place for it to show up. Like during a commercial break where like the only people that are really going to be paying attention are the audience and like the people that like need that like are actually going to care and find that sight gag funny. Exactly. You don't need to do something like say the other thing they did where Private Party had a run in backstage with the fucking Rock and Roll Express and I couldn't hear it and it pissed me off. Yeah, that's uh, that's no good. I want to hear what those two have to say to each other. Yeah, that sucks. Don't do that. Yeah, it's like, just do the extracurricular stuff that, like, we'd be seeing between breaks if uh, this were, like, a New Japan show and people are exiting and entering. Like, I don't know. Anyway, what There's else happened on the show? Uh, well, so the contract signing happened, and that was mostly uneventful until we... Chris Jericho dressed as David Pumpkins. I was I was really into that. Yeah, me too. Um, he, he kind of says, "Oh yeah, I'm not doing anything on tour here. I'm not going to attack you. It's not, it's not one of those contract signings." Shakes his hand. We cut to the back where Sammy Guevara is doing a vlog of Jake Hager viciously kneeing Dustin Rhodes so hard in the crotch that he's denting the limo it's behind up. them. It's like Jake Hager. Is leaning into the whole idea of him just delivering low blows down MMA, and I'm okay with this. Yep. I did like that the guy had acknowledged it without acknowledging what happened. Yep. They also did not acknowledge it during Sammy's actual vlog at the event. Just Jake Hager's like, yeah, that guy wasn't ready for me. He sure wasn't ready for me. Yep. It's like, I don't think anybody's ready for being kneed viciously in the crotch, even if by accident. Yeah. that that I, I don't know how you prepare for two solid blows to the dick. Uh, you know, it helps not to have one. And unfortunately, that is not an option. Sure isn't. Mm. Yeah, so that was painful, but decent segment just for the fact that I got the giggle at. <laughs> Need him so hard, there's a dent in the fender in the limo. Yep. Poor Dustin. Poor Dustin. He's uh, his balls. Hopefully he'll be bad- better next week. And we get to hear his brains do song. <laughs> exactly. He's well. He's having trouble trying to sleep tonight. I'm sure. <laughs> he's got to be counting all those sheep that run out. <laughs> uh, Damn it! We can't keep. We can't. We do can't. This. I, we, we can't I also, do this because I can't play it on this episode. <laughs> also, I really don't know the lyrics of anything from Insomniac. So you you knew the ones that matter. 
Yeah, exactly. I'd like the first two. I I was a dookie kid, whatever. Samniac was always my favorite. But anyway, we talked about the entrances and we talked a little bit about the thing that happened after it, but yeah, also the Elite had a match against fucking Hybrid 2 and who was the third one? Kip Sabian. Oh, right, Kip Sabian. Mm-hmm. Who justified all this by saying basically, um, I need to beat the Elite to become the Elite because they haven't had me on a show since I won on the very first match of the very first pay-per-view. I was the so, first, yeah, I was the first ever person to compete on an AEW show, and they mm-hmm. have done shit all with me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to beat the Elite. Uh, he didn't. He did not. It was a good match, though, honestly. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Like, Jack Evans and Angelico, and Helico, I'm sorry, are both, like, superbly talented. Kip Sabian, not too bad either. Yeah, no, Kip Sabian, I think that Kip Sabian did put in a really good showing. I, I really enjoyed him, and yeah, obviously, fucking Hybrid 2, like, you know, I'm fucking have a huge Jack Evans mark from his fucking Lucha Underground time, and, Hel- and Helico is great, and I'm glad to see that he can be on a show and not have his leg broken. Yeah, exactly. Which and happened way too much on Lucha Underground. It sure did. Oh boy, he uh, he did a lot there. Not not much of it smart. Not uh, a lot of people. But, did. There weren't a lot of smart things happening in Lucha Underground. Do you remember how that show ended? Yeah. Uh, weird. I remember somebody was champion, and he's very familiar. He's like also sacrifices and like the whole idea of maybe being a gauntlet glove at the end of gods dying and being resurrected and calling about the end of the world yeah i don't really remember was that show i don't really remember a lot about their last champion but i have a feeling like he really hated people's balls he did he just uh why why do people gotta hate testicles john (laughs) anyways that was just kind of This was just a standard elite match, though. Put over the elite. They're yep. the best. Okay, then. Crowd pleaser. Tag teams. Yep. Tag team championship match. This was a weird one. And they started the introductions from at 944, and I was like, wait, what? Is there going to be an overrun? There was not an overrun that I could tell. Also, if there I was, thought- it was like one minute or two minutes. Also, I thought it was very strange that, yeah, Justin Roberts basically had to, like, say it twice to get the crowd interested. He's like, hey, this is a tag title championship match. And the crowd's like, eh. It's like, I said, this is a tag team championship match. <laughs> I feel like then you could also said, with no time limit, and everybody probably popped then. Because, like, oh, yeah, you're going to say TV time remaining, aren't you? It's TV time remaining again. Yeah. We're going to see us on Thunder, aren't we? Although I did think it was fucking interesting and weird the way that they were saying on uh, on the show, on like the commentary, like, hey, if, if we run out of TV time, we're going to get you this ending however we can. Social media, uh, YouTube, I don't know. They really need to understand, hey, it's, uh, it's 2019. You're going to stay live until this match is over. Yeah. Like, you're not going to put this anywhere else. It's... We know the shtick. It's not like, we tried that stuff back in the Nitro days and the Raw days. It doesn't fucking work. It never did. Like, and I'm I'm fine with the idea of, like, hey, we're going to have these TV time remaining matches. But, like, yeah. then they need to be, it needs to be, this match is starting at 939 and ends at 959. 
Exactly. Like you need to give it you need to give it the actual time limit. You need to give it like at least twenty minutes. And if they had maybe done away with a couple segments, like I don't know, Brandy Cody, mm-hmm. they would have had plenty of time to get this off and not feel the least bit rushed. Yep. It was a good tag match overall, not like a tremendous one. I feel like we're at a point now, this is weird for me to say, where kind of the weakest and least interesting tag team is now atop all the rest of the tag teams. I hate to say it, but yeah, like, I I understand why, I understand why they put SEU on the belt on SEU, they're incredibly over, they're like yeah. a fucking great baby face when you get to tell that fucking great story, where, like, you've basically, like, and I will say, like, to their credit, like, they've turned Scorpio Sky from, like, the third member of, like, what's mostly a two-person team to, like, someone that actually I'm legitimately like, oh, no, like, fucking, he's great. Like, it's it's like when they had fucking, when Xavier got that fucking crazy run, like, a year and a half, two years ago, where suddenly, exactly. like, everybody realized, oh, shit, is Xavier Woods, like, secretly the best wrestler on this team? Exactly. And Scorpio Sky, you know, for one thing, competing without proper gear couple weeks back real good yep and yeah he's just completely been a star way more than frankie kazarian has stepped up and obviously we can't really judge christopher daniels because he is uh on the shelf for a while oh man but uh it's it's still I mean, scorpio sky looks like a million bucks he looks great here nothing to complain about it's just when you look at like all the tag teams they have in the division Dark Order wants to get the stupid gimmick out of the way. They'd be interesting to face. Yep. Lucha and Bros. I, I will say, I really did appreciate that little brief shot where they cut backstage of, of Dark Order watching it on a monitor, and <laughs> he has his stupid little minions make the throne for him to sit on to watch the show. Yep, that was a good moment. That was a good moment. But yeah, it's like, all these people, even Dark Order would be interesting to have a match with with their moveset. Mm-hmm. Proud and Powerful are going to be amazing when they finally get a title uh, chance. Mm-hmm. I don't know if a run, but they're definitely going to challenge soon. I could, I could see SCU being transitional champs for them. Yeah, for sure. And then you got like Private Party, Best Friends, all Hybrid 2 even, and... When they stop jobbing, Jurassic Express is going to be amazing. All these other teams that are going to step it up beyond SCU. I, I get SCU being the baseline, but you can't hold it on them too long. They yeah. they got to dump it it's, within the year. It feels like a nice look. It I you know I hate to say it here, but like you know it's something that like I've said before on the Mothership Daddy. Like SCU is the fourth best team in the company like very much so they're incredibly over they are very good at what they do like yeah they've been at this shit a long fucking time they are amazing hands and they will like put anyone the fuck over but like they're kind of the least interesting and they kind of need it the least like it's a great fucking sign to put it on them and it's like i feel like this is a little way like some of their maybe i feel like it's a little bit of a gimme because like you know their people are always complaining about how like you know because a bunch of people fucking complain about how like you know oh the elite like you know they're just like trying so hard not to put themselves over when like you know if they put the belts on themselves they could actually build themselves up as legitimate and make these things matter when like you know i I, whereas i could see like you know hey putting it on their friends scu is kind of them doing that yeah no matter how you look at it it's going to be 
we put it on ourselves, we're just putting ourselves over. It's all back to Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan again. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, hey, they're putting your friends over. It's nepotism again. Look, here we go. We're getting away with it. But There's it does no- make sense with SCU because, like, you know, they're fucking clearly, like, they've been at this a long fucking time and they, you know, people respect them and love them and they deserve the accolades. And, you know, like, quite frankly, like, it's a good thing because, like, you know, let's be honest, like, does, doesn't every single one of them have a backstage role? They do. They are all coaches backstage. Yeah. Like, so there's a good chance that, like, if this show keeps going, like, that maybe in three or four years, like, SCU's not really going to be a major part of this division anymore. I foresee SCU in the future eventually transitioning into a Kojima Tenzen role, which is to say they kick the asses of the very young people and then lose to the good people. Yeah, I, I was thinking even, or even like, William Regal as NXT final boss. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Back when he was still like last stand and before Cesaro killed him. Yeah, like, hey, he's gonna, like, he could beat a Cassius Ono. He's not gonna beat a Bray Wyatt. True. Yeah, it, it's a, I, 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 I have no problems with it. I think no matter how you look at it, the narrative is always going to be antagonistic towards the elite because they are all wrestlers. And we've never really had a company in modern times that has been all active wrestlers. It's true. With EVPs. Other than, obviously, Tony Khan, who just gives the thumbs up, thumbs, thumbs down and all this shit. Because Tony Khan fucking knows his shit. Mm-hmm. So... But yeah, that's like, basically W Dynamite. Yeah, it was it was okay. Yeah, I mean it was weak. Uh, yeah. I, I cut you off on another thought there. If you had one, no, I was basically just going to say that, like you know, you know what it comes down to with SCU is it feels like kind of like hey, they're putting the belt on these on like this fucking guys is like kind of a reward for you know being this fucking like stalwarts of the, of the industry and like. Yeah, that's I mm-hmm. I see it. I think it's deserved. They definitely deserve it and I think that they're a good fucking like first champs, but to the point of what you said, like I think that this needs to be a short run because you yeah. have so many more interesting tag teams out there than SCU. It's a historical footnote. Mhm. And once history is done, which is um, approximately now, they can turn it over to whoever they damn well please. Like SCU is the role that SCU has is they are the perfect fucking first match. They are. Like, I, you know, I get that. I, I know. I understand the arguments that we've made previously about Private Party being that. But I honestly think it's SCU. It's they're going to get the crowd super hyped with their fun chants and silly things that they say. They're going to put on a very exciting match. It's going to be it's going to have some technical things. And it's not going to be super extreme because they're all kind of old and can't really go as hard as they used to. I think that's where the opening match needs to transition to because Private Party cannot be the hot open every time. Yep. They need to be able to take their tra- all they have right up to the main event. You need something. You need something like SCU. You need someone that's really exciting and really fun and like gets the crowd into it. But it's also not like so extreme that you're just gonna like blow them up and then make them so tired that like you're gonna have to have your next match be a cool down match and completely kill the pacing. The road dog spot. Exactly. And yeah. the problem with that is that while SCU is perfect for that, 
if this is a company that is really serious about putting tag team wrestling back on the map and making it an important thing, that's not the spot you want it in. No, not that's at all. not the you people gotta... you want with the belt. Nope. Turn it over to somebody cool. Um, transition over. Surprise, maybe um, have a shock transition at some point. But you know, they're, they're the first champs. They'll forever be known as that. They are history. They have a great. They have a great roles of all the championships and all the personas they've had elsewhere. And frankly, they deserve it. They for do. all the fucking work that they put in and all that they do for this company. Like I can't front. No, me neither. The first time I saw them in action in person, I just thought about this while you're talking about that. Was them going up against War Machine? Dang, I bet uh, that was a good as match. A, a second match, and yeah, that was that was an incredible goddamn match. Uh, obviously, back then it wasn't Scorpio Sky's part of them; it was just Frankie and Chris. But Jesus, those four can go. God, I wish I got to see that. Yeah, like I, it, it was. It was actually a second match of the night that War Machine had done too, which is the excuse of moving the belts off of them. But yeah, it's like argh, so good. Anyways, that's all I got for AEW. I mean, that's all I got for AEW, too. Sweet. Perfect. We did it. We went kind of long this week, but you know what? Some things had to be said. Because of the things that had to be said, my foot was very much on the neck of the Tai Chi alarm. It was not going off tonight. (laughs) Fitter enough. Hey, and hey, we haven't hit an hour and a half yet, so it's fine. Exactly, so it wouldn't go off anyways. We've actually timed this perfectly for a long episode. Exactly. So yeah, elsewhere on the network this week, god damn it, I I still can't fucking believe Owen and Oscar are going to watch Crown Jewel. I'm so angry about that, I really am. I'm really bothered by it, and I stick by the bit that we did on this week's uh, Mothership, where... Owen did his predictions, and I just said uh, all of the war crimes that Saudi Arabia is committing. <laughs> Good on you for that one. But hey, if you want to hear what Oscar and Owen have to say about this show for some fucking reason... Uh, you don't. That's $5 to our Patreon every month. Pay them You'll- $5 not to do that ever again. <laughs> Yep, if you are if you are a five dollar member of the Patreon, you will be getting the Crown Jewel Review podcast. Whenever that happens, probably Friday, maybe sometime in the weekend. I don't know when they're recording it. I assume they're recording it tomorrow night. Probably. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Also, uh, ZoneCast.com, where not only will you find this podcast and other podcasts, uh, like I'd rather not. Which Owen, Oscar, and I did an episode this week, and it was pretty funny. And then, yeah, back on the mothership on Monday. Fuck no, we're not talking about Crown Jewel. I refuse. I do not at all. I have to go on there and yell at Tim. I will go in the chat and yell at Owen if he tries to bring it up. Please do. I, I'm counting on you to be there. Okay, I, I will I will set aside time in my schedule to yell at him. Good. Someone needs to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's, that's it for stuff going on with us. Uh, one final little housekeeping note here that i do want to uh leave off with with all of our talk about everything that is shitty in the world of labor and media and everything in this episode i feel like we would be remiss if we did not just give a shout out to you know and just say that like as people who are part of you know media in our own weird little corner of the fucking universe where we occupy like it's hard to not look at what's going on with the fucking geo media shit and 
the ways that they are fucking destroying Deadspin and all those websites fucking firing people en masse, fucking trying to basically destroy these websites for no fucking reason. And, like, it's hard not to fucking have your hearts go out to these to all these people. Like, I just want to say, uh, just on behalf of everyone here at ProWrestling.Cool, we have solidarity with Barry Procheski, Tom Lay, Deanna Moskowitz, uh, Lauren Thiesden, all of the, the Deadspin people that have fucking been fired and resigned in protest of what's going on. We stand with everybody that is still with Gizmodo Media Group Union and everyone in that union fucking fight to the death against these fucking vulture capitalist scumbags that are destroying these fucking wonderful websites. Deadspin forever. Splinter forever. Absolutely. Stay strong. Solidarity with y'all. Your journalism is too damn important for this world. And hey, uh... If you want to know what you can do, uh, I don't know, shoot me a message at, like, at I am John GM. Uh, I could maybe give you someone's phone number. I mean, if you want to give it a shot, I'm not going to stop you. I just obviously can't participate because I'm on the other side of the internet here. Fuck yes. This is happening. Let's see if he picks up. Hi, this is Jim Spankeller. Please leave a message. Ah. Oh, god damn. I mean, hey, he didn't... He, it's it's still seemingly him. I want, Hey, I wonder if we even could leave him a message. Not that I'd want to, but, you know. Yeah, his, I bet his voicemail's probably full or just auto-emptying at this point. Weird how that works. I think we ought to go on an interview site somewhere where that motherfucker has spoken up and just confirm that's actually his voice. Ooh, that's a good point. Because if that is indeed his voice, then we can give that number out. Oh, yes, we can. All right, well, <laughs> we'll look into that. Point is, folks, fucking fuck this shit. Save good media. Save good progressive media that fucking fights for, like, the right people. Deadspin forever. Splinter forever. Join the resistance. Solidarity comrades. Billionaires should not exist. Ever. Billionaires get the fucking wall. That's going to do it for episode five of Heal Alternative. The most plur podcast on the internet, even though this week, you know, we had to get a little bit dark to really get back into the right state of mind. Hopefully, hopefully things will be better next week. Hopefully we can actually like enjoy shit again. I hope we can. I, yeah, let's start getting back to enjoying shit. Wrestling is awesome. Wrestling, wrestling can be awesome when it's not filled with people being fucking racist and stupid and horrible. And hopefully we'll be able to tune into that next week and figure that out. So yeah, uh, wait, no, I didn't do plugs. Trace plug shit. Uh, at PSEG, uh, twitch.tv slash peaceegg, mixer.com slash peaceegg. I'll probably use one of those at some point. Uh, at PSEG, I will actually call it, I do put my stats for AEW stuff every Wednesday, 105 p.m. Eastern. And after the show, I give my top fives that Tony Khan says he's going to do eventually. They're very good stats. Look at the stats. And yeah, I've been your host, John Gavrisky Maxwell. You can find me a whole myriad of places on the internet, including Instagram and Twitter at IamJohnGM. Find me on there. Stop me from fighting with people. But then again, also stop the people from having bad opinions. That too. And, you know, if people need to give $5 somewhere for it'll go to a good purpose. <laughs> Patreon. At- uh, yep, that's the one. Oh, I was kidding. Venmo, I am John. Yep, sure. Venmo, I am John. Uh, if you want to give the $5 to me instead of the Crown Jewel podcast. Oh, it's oh and this be- is for the poppy stuff earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking got him. All right, until next week, folks. 
take the power back. Bring that shit in! Brought to you by the Zonecast Network. Executive produced by Owen Douglas. Visit zonecast.com for more shows. 